music. You got it. Okay, taking splash. Oh, can you mute me, please? Author. Hello and welcome to another episode of Unsolicited Advice. I'm your host, Shlomo Aaron. And today I'm really excited to introduce our guest. Um, his name is Zach Rosinger. Rosinger, and without any further introductions, I'll let him do the talking. Zach, how are you? What is up, Shlomo? Good to see you, man. Uh, I love the show. I love the the background art there. What do you have in the background? Is it, is it oh, New Jersey in the back? Uh, no, nah, it's actually Maryland, uh, where I'm from. It's uh, Maryland, oh, all right. Maryland. Yeah, I think yeah. I see some crabs. I think I see, see some some uh, some yeah. awesome crabs in the uh, background photo that's there. Awesome that's cool. Crabs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so yeah, very one. nice that's to uh, very nice to be on your show here, Shlomo. I can uh, give myself a quick introduction, um, and then let's just dive right into it. But uh, I'm Zach Reisinger. I am co-creator of the CRE Pro Course, which is how Shlomo and I know each other. Uh, but I also work in uh, commercial real estate uh, in brokerage. I work primarily in um, opportunity zones, but I deal with QSR, so quick service restaurants. I work with uh, warehouse and industrial, and uh, I'm a second generation heavy hitter, hopefully. So uh, I'm here to provide value, and uh, I can I can think of no better way to do it than working with my friend Shlomo here. So uh let's jump on into it my man how is your day going going great well awesome that's a great great intro um and you are a heavy hitter in the industry so <laughs> let's just get let's just get that straight so you said you're you're doing qsr what exactly are you doing in qsr or what type of uh assets are you looking yeah at? so um we have a, a mutual partner you and i uh dan lukowitz and dan lukowitz yeah. and i both love the qsr space and the reason that we love the qsr space or the fast food space i think that we tend to revert to it and and uh call it uh, under the moniker of uh qsr because it sounds uh sexier but really it's just right. getting quality food to people right and letting them make a decision on what they what, what makes them feel good what what they enjoy eating and letting letting the market decide uh, what is in demand at this time. And as we saw over the last year, Shlomo, particularly starting at the during the uh, pandemic, uh, we saw a lot more people eating out and they needed a break from the monotony of their lives at their house or uh, they're no longer getting free food at work uh, or they were no longer going out to uh, business dinners or uh, maybe not as much uh, many dates. And so uh, we saw the rise of the quick service restaurant. And so my current um, involvement has mostly to do with uh, speculation of of what corners what high volume uh, tra high traffic corners are going to produce the best results in the long term for our investors so that's how i'm involved in the in the quick service space right very interesting and what's the what exactly is the process to getting a to site selection for your for these qsr restaurants or like what are the stuff that you're looking at yeah to, Great question. So a lot of it's going to depend, Shlomo, on um, uh, who I'm buying for. I work primarily in, <clears throat> in brokerage, but I also work uh, on, on behalf of a private equity firm. And so 
Uh, a lot of the times it's going to be a buy and hold. Sometimes it's a private, a personal investment for me. So those criteria are going to be a lot different. As you know, a lot of brokerage has to do with asking the right questions at the right time and finding out really underneath it all what your client really wants, what, what, whether they want exactly. a cash flowing uh, mitigated risk asset or if they want to be a little bit more edgy, they want to get into the uh, up and coming side of town. I mean, who knows that that could uh, not do not do well. And and in that case, your client has sort of risk and reward proportionally. But in terms of uh, QSR restaurants uh, and, and there's a lot of dynamics behind the franchise model that are, uh, are pretty complicated to explain, but I'll see if I can do it in a, a fairly truncated way that uh, each uh, let's just say Burger King or Taco Bell or, or Chick-fil-A or uh, Chipotle, all of them have a certain number of restaurants that they can have within a certain MSA or, or a, a certain geographic right. area. So you're exactly, not going to yeah. see a subway next to a subway next to a subway because they're going to cannibalize each other. So what they want to do is is just add just enough to keep the appetite of the customer sat, satiated and satisfied without inundating. And you saw the inundation happens again with something like a, a Starbucks or a, uh, a Subway. You get too many of them and there's not as many people drinking coffee as there needs to be uh, and they have other options. You're going to end up cannibalizing your other stores. So in terms of site selection, Shlomo, it has a lot to do with where the need exists. And I think that's a really good principle to remember for your viewers that a lot of times you can look at an MSA, you can look at an area and you can say, oh, we, we really need more dry cleaners. But do you? I mean, how do you know that, right? Other than your client is coming to you and saying, hey, I want to put a dry cleaning area, a, a, a dry cleaner in this area because I live close to it. I think we as brokers need to provide insight right they need we need to come up right. come to them with data and say you know traditionally i would agree with you sir ma'am uh, i love that it's by your house and it's convenient for you but if you want to run a business and you want that business to be profitable and you want to be able to put your kids through college on this dry cleaning location i would suggest exactly. this area of town because people are driving by more frequently uh it's yeah, it's not as convenient for you, but this is not for you. This is for the for for the business. And in order to make sure that it makes a profit, I want to set you up for success. Now, you we are just you and I uh, as brokers are just giving advice, right? We're we're coming in with a new dynamic. We're coming in with a new idea. And a lot of times, uh, you'll find Shlomo, I'm sure, and your audience will will uh, see that their their value really is coming in with an unorthodox, un um, untraditional way of thinking so in that same and also less, experience, less emotional just to add to that yeah absolutely and you're totally right in that right it's not circumstantial it's not saying yeah i would like a dry cleaner in this area it's saying who will the customer be identifying that and saying here's where right. that market exists and here's where it needs and here's what i think you should pay for it based on data and so when it comes to something like a, a qsr or it comes to any other business a lot of times uh, it will it will be sort of that innovative, intuitive idea that you come with that makes you relatively valuable. And in my case, the way that that transpired was during the pandemic, I started noticing that a lot more banks, uh, regional banks, uh, were having issues with their uh, various locations where they normally would have people standing in line to cash a check uh, and then or and take out cash. Well, if you remember back in the time of the pandemic, people banks were shut. 
people couldn't stand in line. They couldn't be in a building. They couldn't, you know, they, they couldn't go to that traditional uh, branch location. And so they started shutting down. But then I thought to myself, what does this look like? What other types of businesses does this look like? And it, and it dawned on me that, of course, if you have a drive-through lanes or you have five drive-through lanes, why wouldn't you be serving people in those drive-through lanes? Oh, and by the way, Shlomo, it also happened to be on the main and main corner where you have so many vehicles per day coming through. So right. uh, we started looking further into those banks like and to see where else could we, how else could we position them? Mm -hmm. So it's retail repurposing at its finest. Yeah, I don't know if it's at its finest. Here's here's a good example of that. And it, it sounds like a great idea, I think, out of the box. But then you start to look into it further. And here's where we really, really provide value, Shlomo, because we're not always going to be the one that comes to the table with saying, here's what a great repurposing idea is. Where I think we provide most of the value is plan is proving that thesis out. And so here's a great example in that same case. Uh, put a bank under contract and that bank uh, as I found out later during due diligence is structurally based 100% on top of a vault. Well, that's a problem because if you have a fast food restaurant and you're trying to make food inside of a fast food restaurant and you have a giant 20 by 20, 20 foot by 20 foot, uh, uh, vault with, you know, 18 inch steel, uh, to keep, uh, intruders out, uh, you can't really repurpose that building. So a lot of this right. comes into, going to your client and saying, yeah, I, I love your idea and I can find you that space, but this is not it. And here's why, but I have, and then, you know, providing the value from there saying, exactly, but this yeah. one doesn't, or this vault vault is off to the side or, and you may have seen this too. And I, when I tell that story, a lot of times people say, oh, I just went to this great new restaurant last night called the bank. And it, you could eat inside of the inside of the vault. Well, I mean, that's a great idea, but uh, you need it only is applicable to certain situations. So uh, I think it's cool. You know, like, yeah. you know, I'm talking about like, the vault doors. Yeah. Yeah. So there's certain op applications uh, where this actually makes sense. And uh, another one that comes to mind almost immediately, uh, well, two of them, and one of them, I think, is kind of gone for good, but uh, a skating rink, like a roller skating rink, or uh, a movie theater. And the reason that they're both similar is because they're places where we used to all congregate. Um, it really maybe wasn't the most hygienic thing ever, but we'd put the same, you know, skate shoes on or, you know, skates on uh, that somebody else just took off their feet and probably not right. washing your hands when you drink that beer and, and fries and then you get out onto the skating rink. Uh, and so that I, I found, particularly during the pandemic and with the, and the rise in drone racing, um, people were saying, well, this would be a great avenue or a great location for a, for a drone race. In fact, we don't even need to get rid of the skate rink. We could actually run it and on the off times and you can still have Friday nights uh, whenever skating rinks you know, are, are a thing. Um, you could still run yeah. these, these drone races, advertise them. And, and I'm sure you've seen that the viewership of a drone race is like boom, astronomically high compared to even something like the Super Bowl, because it appeals to so many people and it's and it's high action all the time for a short period of time. So, uh, just new ideas. What what have you seen yeah. in the market, Shlomo? What do you what what, is, what are some of your favorites that you've seen uh, that that really get you excited? Or or you know you don't have to tell me if you if you want to keep them on a wrap. Sometimes it's good to keep those ideas down. But yeah, what would you no, say? That, what would it be a repurposing really cool. thing you like? 
some really cool repurposing I've seen um, <clears throat> that is one of them I, I saw, it was uh, McDonald's with a drive-through and the neighborhood turned into a higher, into, into a more of an A-class neighborhood and they wanted to repurpose it to change to, to, and to change it up. And the other part was the indoor seating wasn't enough mm -hmm. due to COVID regulations. So what they, so they turned it into a steakhouse and they turned the drive-through into outdoor <laughs> dining. So that was, that was one of retail repurposing. And then the other one I saw, which, which also really fascinated me was, was a coffee shop that was, that used to be a bank. And they, they turned the drive through the, the drive through into, um, in, into the drive through into, into, for the bank. Somebody else took my idea. Office. Are you kidding me? Come yeah. on. And, <laughs> and on a hard corner. So that's exact. So that's uh, exactly there you go. Great minds think alike, but, but in the end of the day, what it comes down to is people, if you can make money off of it and you can, you already have the, you already have the lanes for the drive through and no one's using the bank anymore. And it's on a great corner. Why would you not? turn it into something profitable. Well, yeah, and here's what happens a lot stuff. of times, Shlomo, is that is, and I have clients that come to me in there and I say, so uh, what I, I run them through a very thorough de, uh, uh, analysis at, before taking them on as a client, because a lot of times, not only are in a listing presentation, not only, uh, or, or on a buyer's, you know, you're, you're uh, actually applying to be a buyer's agent for a bigger firm. Uh, not only are, are they interviewing you, but you need to be interviewing them, right? Like not all clients are made uh, equal. And uh, sometimes you're going to find that somebody just doesn't really know what they want. A lot of times I, I'll talk to somebody, uh, a new client, and they'll say, just go find us a good deal, right? It's a, it's a, it's right. a traditional or, or uh, bird they'll dogging. They want value add. I want something with an unbelievable return <laughs> yeah. with minimal risk. And, 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 and I, I do too. So I, I hear them, but uh, right. if they're not bringing you the ideas, remember that you're the one, you oftentimes as a broker need to bring them the ideas, the, the incentives, the ideas, the, um, the value add part of that. And so just this morning we, right. I was talking to somebody about our course and they said, what are, what are some of the, uh, characteristics that you see of those people that go through the CRE pro course that become super successful afterwards? And I say, it's the value add, right? Because, Oftentimes we're not teaching anything that's not in the CCIM courses or it's not inside of the property ma uh, metrics. The, the basics, the basic fundamentals are, are all there, <clears throat> but it's the additional stuff, right? It's the value add. It's like you have to provide something over and above to your clients who don't, maybe don't really know what they want at that time. They want a good right. deal, but you need to position what a good deal is for them. And so in your case, and, and I, I was just thinking about your McDonald's case right there, right? In most cases, most brokers will leave that alone, right? Uh, they'll, they'll get a, um, an owner of that shopping center and they'll say, McDonald's has got a lease on this for 99 years and, or, or they won't even check how long it is. They'll just say, I, McDonald's is going to be there. That's who, who's going to live there or that's who's going to have their restaurant there. And everybody else around there just going to sort of have to accommodate, uh, but it seems that in your case, and or in the case of the example you gave, uh, they found out that wasn't the case, or that the McDonald's owner was willing to let it go, let the hard quarter go for a certain amount of money for the, for the steakhouse, or maybe they were able to do some sort of value add or or or, or trade um, in order to put their McDonald's down the street, and then they also got half of the revenue from the steakhouse or something. So all of those are are like added incentives 
to sort of yeah. go above and beyond, come in with a new idea. And a lot of that has to do with uh, exactly what your show is all about and with the value I believe that you're providing in the show, which is giving people new ideas of how they can reposition, how they can uh, provide value to their clients and customers by saying, here's an alternative idea. It is might sound crazy, I know, but what if we put a steakhouse on this corner, we move the McDonald's up the street, we offer incentive to him for him to do that, everybody wins. And so yeah, exactly. it's those creative aspects with, that... And yeah, wait, but especially with a with a, that McDonald's, for example, where the McDonald's is not as receiving as much revenue as they would if they would have been moved a couple, a mile away, you know? So, so it really, <laughs> yeah, is absolutely. So they're paying, they're paying the same rent for, for extra sales and they, they win. And then the owners of the steakhouse also win because they're, they're getting a prime location. The dem with, the, the demographic driver. has changed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it takes a while for some businesses to recognize that. And you in this world today, you either need to adapt or you will be mm -hmm. left by the wayside. And we see that a lot. And in, in just as I was saying, with the with a uh, dry cleaner, for example, if you don't have as many people going into the office, you don't have as many suits being pressed. Opening up a dry cleaner is not a great idea today. Now, maybe it changes and goes back. And if you already owned a dry cleaner and you just needed to hold on to it for the long term and it's now like a triple net play for you or something like that, well, that's totally different. But if you're saying starting a business today, you need to, we need to, as brokers, we need to, as entrepreneurs, think about what is the new, new? What's the next thing that's going to happen? How do we get in front of that? And then how do I structure it so that my client can benefit and he thinks or she thinks that I'm a genius and maybe, you know, maybe it turns out you are, maybe you're not, but at least in this case, you provided value first and then you let them make their mind up and decide, is this somebody that I want to bring on on a full-time basis? Is this the guy or, or lady that I'm going to call next time that I want somebody to sell or lease my building? I think in most cases, if you provide value first, you're going to get that phone call. Right. And that's what they'll remember you for. Not as opposed to Absolutely. anything else. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully For the sure. everything else. I mean, it's a, I, I, I'm sure that you have faced this before in your life, Shlomo, is that oftentimes uh, people don't remember what you did, but they remember how you made them feel. And so yeah, a lot of times, uh, right? And a lot of times we, it's hard to see, again, another uh, euphemism is uh, the forest through the trees. When you think like, oh, I just really screwed that deal up or, oh, I just, uh, you know, I didn't see that coming or I didn't find, you know, I didn't uh, act on this on time or something. And you think, oh, this guy's never going to forgive me for this. And then in a year from you, from then he, he calls you and he says, hey, you want to you list my building for me? And you're like, I thought you hated me. And he's like, no, man. He's like, uh, I mean, everybody has a bad day. Everybody makes a mistake. And yeah, we lost out on that. But Overall, you helped me get the building and it cost me a few thousand dollars more. But you know what? I was able to save thousands and thousands of dollars because we were able to do this in a timely basis. And the only reason we did that is because you worked your butt off to get in there early and, 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 and mend it, mend the fence and move on. And so I think that people see that effort. And that's what really the feeling is, is the, is the oh, this guy's going to go above and beyond to do something that other brokers won't and provide me with ideas and all alternatives and and everybody screws up every once in a while but if they don't make it a regular habit in a year from then five years from then they're going to give you a call and they're right. going to ask you to help them again 
Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a great point. It's like, it's part, it's part of your, your mantra of, um, you know, pro provide value, everything else follows. And that's, that it's a great way to go about life. And, you know, you couldn't have said it any better. But don't discount at yourself, Shlomo. I mean, the, the I do find that I do that. And as do we all They say, oh, we, uh, I, I didn't, maybe I didn't get the greatest deal for this uh, person at uh, this company at this time. I think I could have done better or they told me I could have done better or, and, and a lot of times we're embarrassed. It's the hubris in us to call them back in a year and say like, Hey, how is, how is everything going? I, I uh, wanted to right. just check in. The worst that they could do is not pick up the phone. The second worst thing they, they could do is pick up the phone and say, yeah, it didn't go great. I think we all knew why it didn't go great and go great. You know, I've done a lot of, uh, I've made some changes in the last year. Let me show you. And then the third thing and the most likely thing is, oh yeah, it turned out fantastic. And we want you yeah, to uh, list another building want, for yeah. us, right? So yeah. it's just with everything. A lot of times it's in our head where you say, oh, this person probably wrote me off a long time ago. Well, that was in your head. If you think back on the situation and you really gave it your all, you really tried 100%, that's noticed. People notice when you work hard at something and they're willing to give you a second chance. They're willing to help you out. They're willing to, to give you a listing um, just because you called them. And I always believe in that. I know that uh, we all, the, the, you and I and Dan uh, talk about this quite frequently, which is, is it a one-to-one? -one? Is it a one-to-many? What's the best philosophy in today's world? And I believe that it's a combination of both, right? Oh, Picking up exactly. the phone and calling your clients and finding out how they're doing and finding out if there's any way you can provide value to them without ever asking for anything. Then when they finally say, actually, yeah, I'm really glad. I know you call me every month and I sometimes I, I put you on uh, mute, <laughs> but, or, or do not, do not answer. But yeah. I, I, I finally actually have something for you and, and it's the persistence is paying off. And I know how uh, hard you work just to get me on the phone. I can only imagine how hard you're going to work to sell my building for me. So uh, that comes into play a lot is the persistence and the, and the good ideas time over and again. And a lot of that has to do with things like coming on your show, Shlomo, and talking to people and listening to your show and watching your show and finding out what other you know, in your course, in your case, uh, the cafe, what other cafes are doing and then following right. that lead. Yeah. And that's, that's really where the value is provided, especially in brokerage. Cause you're, cause you know, we're, we're out there in the market speaking to multiple owners and you're speaking to, to everyone on the block to see what they're doing. And we, you want to synergize a retail, especially on, on a block with retail, you want to synergize all the stores and you want to make sure that they're working together. And if you know that, one once one's gonna open up a, uh, a coffee one landlord wants to open up a coffee shop you wouldn't want his neighbor to open up a coffee shop you would want him to to open up a, a store that's gonna work well with those muffins with those or tenants. something you know a, exactly. a symbiotic yeah. thing right yeah. and, and, it, and it takes that's more than that Shlomo, i think it, it needs and you need to be thinking more uh so i've, I've worked a lot in, in retail strip centers before and it's interesting right. to do the research on it to find out okay so what are the three things that most people do at a retail strip center? And you can see the reason that these businesses exist and why they're there. So if you're going to, let's just talk about Chipotle, uh, AT&T, and a shoe repair store, right? You want to get all three of those things done at one time. If you're in a suburban environment, you want to go get the kids fed. Uh, so you can do that while, you know, or, or let's just say break, you know, you go get your brakes changed, you get your Chipotle, and you get your phone fixed. All those things that you need to do in one place at one time. 
it wouldn't make as much sense to bring in uh, some outlying uh, other alternative that has nothing to do with uh, the quick one hour uh, change up there, right? You wouldn't want to put a maybe a department store or something in into that same shopping center because it's used for like very quick, rapid chores versus right. yeah. a mall might be better for a long-term shopping solution or something like that. So, yeah, uh, you know, a lot so of that is- has to do with thinking through the persona of who your your customers buy. Like, you know, if if you're helping out a building there. owner, uh, who is mm-hmm. their end goal client? Who is their mm-hmm. ideal client? Yeah. So, so, and and if you had you had four tenants to put into to a shopping strip strip in a suburban market, what what three what four tenants are you putting in there? So I credit tenants uh, or or yeah, sure. credit, What type of tenants are you putting in there? Well, I can tell you from both the brokerage standpoint, I can tell you from the owner's standpoint, and they're a little bit different answers. And the reason I say that is I've worked with, for example, Starbucks. Right, Starbucks has. I think it's an eight layer decision-making process because they don't screw up. I mean, sometimes they do, but not very often. Right. And the reason for that is it's not just one person making that decision. It needs to go through several layers of bureaucratic decision-making process because they can. Now, if you're trying to grow really quickly and you're trying to uh, put a new coffee shop in a, in a strip center, I would say that you need, and here's the way that I would set it up to answer your question. I would have, two end caps. Uh, Both of those end caps uh, are drive through. So you've got food on one and you've got uh, coffee and liquid on the other. So uh, maybe that's a smoothie spot and maybe that's a a cafe with with, with muffins and and breakfast foods. Yeah. Well, I would say, yeah, I would say that the reason that you wouldn't want something like a Chick-fil-A though, I mean, the business model is something that's completely different and uh, I would say probably an easier one to to talk about that I'm more familiar with would would be like a um, a church's chicken or a, a chicken restaurant. Okay. That's not yeah. Chick Fil A is really a different business model. Um, but let's just talk about a franchisable Bojangles, for example. So these are fr- franchisable um, chicken restaurants that can be put in to a uh, a four unit strip center. Uh, in the in the middle of those two, you have to have infill that's going to bring in. Um, walkable traffic because if not, everybody's going to be what they call stacking. That's a big problem that I have with Chick Fil A is that it's they're too they're too busy, right? They stack out into the yeah. highway and they stop traffic, and that's not really what you want as a strip center owner because people are are they're so good at uh, drive through that people don't get out of their car. If they don't get out of their car, they're not buying an AT and T phone or they're they're not um, shopping at the at the boutique store. Uh, because they don't need to walk around. And so uh, I'm putting in businesses that need to need to draw people out, that they need to go in. They need to, to visit regularly. Um, I'm staying, it depends on the market, Shlomo. It, it could be if you're in urban New York and people don't have washing machines, well, maybe that a, a, a washer, uh, washer dryer place, uh, a lavateria, I don't know, a, a laundromat uh, is a place where, again, uh, the reason that you would have a, uh, Spanish Landeria is because they're outside of town in the in the uh, Hispanic neighborhoods here in Austin, Texas. So uh, it depends on the location. So, but if it's suburban, it's uh, yeah, uh, Nouveau Riche. Yeah. So let's let's talk about yeah. So uh, and a good example of that would be like in Seattle, a uh, uh, Bellevue. So this is new money. This is uh, tech people who have uh, uh, not a lot of time, but they need to get their caffeine. 
They need to get their phone or they need to find the newest and latest phone. Um, they need to get lunch. Uh, and then uh, the, the fourth one, I would say, it's sort of a, a toss up because uh, it's sort of the, I'm not flavor of the month, but um, there are a lot of businesses that aren't very good at um, doing uh, uh, build at, build your bowl. So something would be like a poke restaurant, like poke okay, is yeah. very, you know, you know, individualistic. It's sort of the old school Chipotle model, which they're getting rid of, but like, or they're phasing out a little bit more because it's so slow. But if you have to like, or, or a salad place, the salad building place, you know, like chopped or whatever, you know, uh, super greens yeah. or uh, mm -hmm. mad greens, um, any of those, you need to have walkable traffic that is willing to get out of their car. You need to have sufficient parking, but in a suburban market, you have an abundance of parking. That's not really an issue. I wouldn't say it's the laziness, but it's the convenient factor of driving through. Uh, you can still be on the phone and you can still go through uh, and order your food or your coffee or whatever. So I would say if it's a four strip center, it's two walkable places uh, and then it's two end caps uh, of drive through. Okay, so so okay, so you got your ca caffeine, your smoothie, and then your two walkable. And what what exactly are? Do you, do you have any, any names of a tenant besides for your 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 laundry? You have a name that you're gonna put. No, your, I'm your saying I'm saying you most likely or... won't have won't have a laundry. Uh, I and I would even say that it's probably trending more in today's service based economy. It's turning more into like a dry cleaner that actually does your laundry. Uh, yeah, that yeah, that's, what, that's what I'm center. saying. Not not a laundromat, not a laundromat, okay. but more of a yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. Drop off your stuff. Something here, that because we're busy. And absolutely we don't like doing our laundry yeah okay that's that's a great that's a great tenant mix right there all right so we're about to wrap up the show do you have any last piece of advice that you want to you want to give the audience yeah i i think uh my last piece of advice and this adheres to you as well as uh and it's a direct result of my interactions with you uh over the last few years is that uh if you commit to something go 110 percent onto it make sure that everybody knows that that is your thing and for example, if it's the CRE pro course, go all in, watch the videos all the way through, give 110%, reach out to the other members in the group, reach out to the, the owners, reach out to the founders, tell them, uh, give them your feedback on it. And the same thing goes for your clients. Give 110% to your clients and they'll give 110% back to you. All right, great advice. Thank you, Zach, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. And we'll see you next episode with some more advice.